The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. Well, today we are finishing up our Matters of Life and Death series. Um, before we get into today's topic, um, I actually want to let you know about a couple of things that are coming up here, uh, and because the announcement time tends to be kind of rushed through sometimes, I, w- I want to tell you about them right now. The first thing is our Journey Together membership workshop slash class. This, happening, this is happening on Saturday. Now, our membership class used to be six sessions in the evening of two hours each, and now it's one day from nine to two. So my job is harder, your job is easier <laughs> uh, in teaching it and then hearing it. So... It really is a fun time. Uh, it may sound boring, like, oh, really, a five-hour membership class? But those of you who have been to it, uh, generally the response is positive. We provide lunch. Um, there's lots of chance to interact with each other, that kind of thing. And we don't, it's really nothing. We go through the entire history of the world and the church uh, and then talk about artisan a little bit and its specifics and that kind of thing. If you are interested in membership, uh, which you need to be if you want to vote in the upcoming elections and uh, some other things, some big votes actually coming up this year. Um, you need to be a member to do that. But you're more than welcome to attend this class, even if you have no interest in becoming a member here. It's actually, I think, really interesting stuff and, and generally useful, good information for anybody who's a Christian or even interested in Christianity. So there's the pitch for that. And then the next thing is I want to tell you about our, our upcoming series, um, Lent. The season of Lent begins this Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. Unfortunately, we are not able to do an Ash Wednesday service this year. So we're going to begin our observe, observance, observation, observance of Lent on Sunday, starting uh, next Sunday on the 26th. And the series is called Beauty for Ashes. Um, it's going to be a straight-up Bible based, uh, based on the Revised Common Lectionary texts. So whereas recently we've been looking at topics and seeing what the Bible has to say about them, Next week, starting next week, we're going to go back to looking at Bible texts and seeing what topics the Bible texts suggest. Kind of the two ways we go about things here. Uh, But the thing that I want to tell you about more than that is a special fast that we're doing during Lent. Now, uh, traditionally, Christians fast during the season of Lent. And we uh, last year did a a water-based fast, 40 days of water, where we we didn't drink anything except for water for, for the entirety of Lent. And whatever we would have spent on coffee and tea and beer and wine and other things that are liquid, we, uh, we donated. And I, I looked for the exact number and I can't find it, but it was over $2,000, wasn't it, that we donated to clean water initiatives. This year we're doing a similar type of thing, um, except we are doing fasting based on food. And it's loosely based on this, uh, this concept of 40 days of solidarity with the poor that you may have heard about. Um, there's some small groups observing that that we'll talk about during the announcements. But the basic concept is you, during Lent, eat what poor people eat. Now, you are, most of you, not poor and, and have the option to eat, you know, pretty much whatever you'd like. Sorry about that. I have no idea what caused that. Um, but people who are, uh, are poor don't have as many options, uh, certainly, as you. We are 
putting a little bit more of a local spin on this. The, the national movement is more based on global, global poverty. We're going to look at local poverty. And so the idea is this. During the season of Lent, uh, in one way or another, you, you eat like somebody who's below the poverty line in Rochester. And you save the money that you would have spent on steak uh, or whatever it would be, a high-grade tofu. I don't know what you vegetarians eat. Um, <clears throat> and we donate that. Uh, and what we're going to do is our, our um, local justice ministry, The Bridge, has some great outreach that they're doing to hungry people in Rochester. And Anna will talk a little bit about this next week. But really what is the bigger issue locally is not going hungry but, but uh, not getting good nutrition. So if you're on food stamps, you can usually get enough food, but you can't get good food very easily. So what I'm asking you to do is, uh, on a few different levels here, if you're going to be really hardcore about this, you can go all throughout Lent, except Sundays, which are little feast days in Lent, and eat nothing but um, like local poverty stuff, ramen noodles, spaghetti in a can, that kind of thing. If you're going to go hardcore, you could do it every meal, all during Lent, except on Sundays. The medium um, one would be the one that probably most of you will be comfortable choosing is uh, fast from your lunches. So, like, maybe all your weekday lunches are ramen noodles or spaghetti in a can or whatever, you, whatever it might be. And then if you want more of an entry-level thing, and I know this is difficult with children sometimes to do these fasts, you could maybe just say, okay, no eating out, no restaurants during Lent, and one meal a week, Friday dinner, we're going to do ramen noodles. Does this make sense? And so you're going to kind of get a coffee can out and put money in it for everything that you don't spend in restaurants and on fancy food and that kind of thing. And, and we're going to donate that money uh, and, and dedicate it all to local hunger and nutrition initiatives um, using this ministry that's started here at Artisan and is now kind of blossoming to become a, a parachurch thing that you'll hear more about next week. Fair enough? We will, of course, reiterate this, uh, but I know that some of you want to start right away. Um, because Lent technically begins Wednesday, you could begin then, or you could wait till Sunday. But um, there's the story with that. Okay, so our final topic in the Matters of Life and Death series, and uh, first thing we want to do is recite our passage one last time. And uh, we've asked you to memorize this during this series. And how many of you have memorized this? I finally went and did it last night. Um, so I'm a very bad example. Do as I say, not as I do, or something like that. But If you didn't memorize it, you can read it through um, the Red Bibles on page 842. And uh, I have my cheat card right here, but I'm going to try not to look at it while we say this first together. All right. um, Is everybody ready to say this together? All right. Luke 9, 23 through 25. Then he said to them all, All right, not bad. I turned my mic off so you wouldn't hear me missing the parts that I... <laughs> okay, did you guys like that memorization thing? Did, did you find that that kind of ingrained it into you in a different way? We're going to do some more memorization um, in the future here at Artisan. So this is our last week in this series, and today's topic is free time. Based on your nominations and votes, and I will tell you that, that it wasn't even close. This was overwhelmingly the topic that was nominated. And when we put it to a vote on Facebook, it was over, overwhelmingly the topic that won the vote. 
How do we serve Jesus every day with all that we have when it comes to free time? And of course, some of us think free time, we think like rug time at kindergarten or something like that. Um, But we all have a different conception of what this might actually mean. Some people don't have any free time or don't feel like they have any. Others may feel like they squander the time that they do have. Uh, I read something this week, uh, an article in one of those British papers, I think it was The Guardian. Um, Somebody had written a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. It was written by somebody who's a palliative nurse who who works with people who who are nearing the end of their life and has talked to them about what their regrets are. And you know what the the number two regret was? Um, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. (laughs) And so maybe we don't have free time and we ought to carve out some more. Maybe we have too much and we don't know what to do with it. And I don't know exactly where you land on that. And it occurred to me as I was preparing this sermon that what I might be thinking of when I read your cards that say, we want to talk about free time, might be different from what you're thinking of when you wrote it on the card or when you voted for it. And so... In the somewhat limited time that we have, I think it would be unfair for me to just kind of go off on what I think. I would like to hear from those of you who actually wrote this on a card or who voted for it. And if you didn't do one of those two things, um, throw the key away, right? Um, but if you were one of the people who nominated it or voted for it, what, were you, what was on your mind when you said that? And I'll, I'll write it down and hopefully, um, hopefully it'll kind of match up with some of the thoughts that I had and prepared. And if not, we'll... We'll roll with it. That's how we go here sometimes. If this kind of thing drives you nuts, come back next week. We'll be just straight out of the Bible the whole time. <laughs> guilt. Was that Esther? Did you say that? So guilt. In what, what, say more about guilt and free time. I think I know what you mean. but Okay. Is it okay for me to have fun in an afternoon during the week when my friends work? Good one. Okay. Thank you, Esther. Liz. Like, Or lesson planning for the next day. <laughs> yeah, so those, those few hours after work, what do, you, what do you do with those few hours after work? How do, you dis- how do you make the decision about how to use that time? Is that kind of fair to what you're saying? Okay. Um, all right. Who else? Dan. So decision making during your free time, whether it's um, whether it's responsible consumption or uh, relationships with people, how do you make decisions that so that you really are using your free time in a way that honors God? Okay, that's a good one. Um, okay, one or two more folks, and then we probably should dive in here. Yeah, Steve. Mm. 
Okay, great. So Steve's saying this, this sacred-secular divide, you know, it's easy to think you're serving God when you're at church, but what do you do when you're, you know, what about when you're fishing? <laughs> um, very, very good one. Chrissy. Yeah, um, let's make that the last one because that's a, that'll make a nice segue. Christy's talking about what do you do with weekends or vacations or even looking ahead to retirement. Um, are those Christian concepts, uh, she asks, and how do we serve God in that time? Do we have to go on a missions trip if we have a week off from work? Um, that kind of thing. And it's interesting that you ask the question, uh, is that a Christian concept? This is one of the challenges with this topic is that the cultures in which the Bible were written didn't have a ton of free time. Um, you know, and so it's hard to know, it's hard to find a really clear biblical mandate about this, this kind of question. It's, you really do have to do the hard work of establishing some principles and applying them to your life rather than looking to the, a verse or something that could tell you. Um, I'm going to go to a different microphone here. Sorry about that, guys. Um, rather than looking at a verse that could just tell you you know, when you're on vacation, you should do a half an hour of devotions instead of an hour or whatever it might be. You know, obviously the, uh, the Bible doesn't talk in those terms. And uh, the other thing that occurred to me is that they didn't have electricity. Can you think for a minute about how your concept of using free time might be different if you didn't have electric lights or televisions or Nintendos? Or iPhones. <laughs> um, so this is a, we have a very different world that we inhabit, that we have to work on. And our, our, I mean, if, if you didn't have electric lights, how late would you stay up this time of year when it gets dark at 6.30 or 7, right? Let alone December 21st, right? How, how, how late would you stay up in the dark burning those candles or whatever it was? So our rhythms culturally, are so vastly different from the rhythms in which Judaism and Christianity were born that it's sometimes these, it, it's very difficult to draw principles, and there certainly aren't any specific details given about some of these things. Um, so here are a few thoughts. We talked in the f- first week about work. Was it the first week or the second week? It doesn't matter. It was about work. And one of the concepts that came out was Sabbath. And I've talked about Sabbath on a couple of occasions here, but I think it'd be really missing the boat big time if I didn't mention it on this topic about free time. The Sabbath, um, if you hear that word, you might think of a day. Well, the Sabbath day. You might think of one of the Ten Commandments. You should observe the Sabbath. 
But the word simply means stop. Um, so uh, in, the, in the creation narrative, God works for six days, and then he stops. He sabbaths. And he rests is how it's, how it's often translated. And so we are called to observe that same Sabbath. And it's very interesting that um, the Ten Commandments are given in the Bible in two different places. They're given in the book of Exodus when they first came down off the mountain. And they're given in the book of Deuteronomy when the people are about to enter the promised land and Moses gives them one last speech because he can't go in with them. So he's going to tell them like it is one last time. And he recites, uh, among many other things, the Ten Commandments. But in both cases, there is a reason given, which is not common. Most of the commandments don't have reasons given, but it's a different reason. The first time in Exodus... The Ten ten Commandments are given, and the Sabbath one comes up, and it says, you shall observe the Sabbath because God observed the Sabbath. There's a theological reason. God rested one day out of seven. You must rest one day out of seven. Now, in Deuteronomy, the reason is different. The reason he gives is, he recites the Ten Commandments, and the reason for the Sabbath is, you should observe the Sabbath because God brought you out of slavery in Egypt, where you may recall you had 400 days 400 years without a day off. And so the implication there seems to be uh, a practical one. <laughs> you can't, your body and soul are not meant to work constantly. Observe this day off. And so um, one of my, the, the kind of the central source that I have in my life for understanding the Sabbath is a book that was written by a guy named Eugene Peterson, and it's called Working the Angles. And he talks about these two reasons for the Sabbath, and he considers them the reason uh, of the theological reason he he names pray. So one of the things that we do on the Sabbath is pray, uh, and and connect with God in a in a different way. The other thing that we do in the Sabbath is play. Uh, we really do enjoy having a time when we're not having to work. Um, and so. This might answer your question about fishing somewhat. <laughs> uh, is, is fishing on your day off, is that a moment when you're not serving God? Where if, if only you could just be sitting there, even if, you get, even if you're in the boat, if you could just please read your Bible and pray, um, would that be more holy use of your free time? Um, I don't know that it would be, actually. <laughs> Uh, now, if you never look at your Bible and never pray, that's a, you know, that's a different problem. But the idea of enjoying that time and, and actually doing something recreational during that time. Now, somebody sent me an email this week and said, I heard a great teaching on this that made a, difference, a distinction between amusement and recreation. Um, and, uh, you know, you can amuse yourself forever and nothing comes of it. But if you are experience recreation, look at what that word says. You are re creating somewhat. Um, and it, it got me thinking about the, the rhythms of creation. One of the other things that Eugene Peterson points out in his book about Sabbath is that in the creation narratives, do you remember how the, the day is defined? And this is actually consistent for Hebrew thought throughout uh, history. When does the day begin? There was what and there was what the first day? There was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day. So the day, God's work begins at evening 
And if you talk to a Jewish person today, and if you think of how you, the Sabbath is traditionally observed, it's from Friday sundown through the night, through the day Saturday until Saturday night sundown. That's a day in Hebrew thought. And it's really fascinating to me that, that um, God's creative work is happening while we are sleeping. Um, the, the nighttime is when all that stuff happens. Um, George MacDonald is credited as have, having said, uh, sleep it was invented by God so that he could get us the help that he otherwise is unable to get to us. <laughs> so there, there seems to be this, this link between rest and creation. And I see in that, that linkage um, this, this idea of, of uh, recreation being something that's restorative to us and actually maybe something that God intended for us. And those of you who are um, knitters, I see one here, <laughs> or, um, yeah, please don't knit during this sermon. It's so unholy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you too. Who else is knitting in here? <laughs> no, I love that you are. I was hoping that, I knew that you probably would be off, but I'm glad that you are too, Gina. Um, if you're a knitter, I'm serious. If you're a knitter or a baker or uh, a sculptor or a carpenter, you know that this time when you're doing something that, that some people would consider completely frivolous, doesn't your, doesn't your soul do something different in those moments? It does, doesn't it? I think, I think that there's, you, you ought to listen to that. <laughs> um, my thing, I, I don't knit. It may, may surprise you to learn. Are you crocheting? I'm so sorry. I know you guys get so mad about that. <laughs> it's not knitting. <laughs> See this needle? It has a hook. Um, <laughs> uh, it's all the same thing, right? <laughs> like Irish, Scottish, whatever. Um, <laughs> so I don't knit or crochet. Uh, I cross-stitch. No. What I do, it would be fine if I did. Come on. What I do, I actually, I, I build these nerdy little electronics projects. And some of you have heard me talk about this. I, I make guitar effects pedals in my basement with a soldering iron. Um, in the dark. <laughs> I'll go down there and I will like, put this stuff together and it, it's that hour or two, if I can possibly muster it, is the most peaceful hour of my, my week. And um, honestly, I've got to be honest with you, it might be the most spiritual time I spend during the week. Because you know what I do when I go down there in the basement? I solder and put these things together and um, then, more than any other time, I'm able to, to pray and I pray for you guys sometimes. I pray for my own family. I pray for stuff in my own life. And I'm putting this resistor here, and I'm praying for so-and-so, and I'm putting this capacitor here, and I'm praying for such-and-such. Um, and uh, those of you who work with your hands and do things like this probably have a similar experience. Am I correct? That, that those moments of recreation are actually recreating your, the, the, the health of your soul. And so when the question of guilt comes up, I had a long period of time where I felt guilty if I was doing something like that. Like, I should be doing something else. I should be writing a sermon, or I should be, um, I should at the very least be cleaning up and helping around the house, or I should be doing something. Do, I must be doing, I ought to be doing something that could possibly be of use to anybody right now. And I've gotten to the point where I've learned not to be guilty about that, and I would encourage all of you um, 
not to be guilty about it either, whatever, whatever your thing might be. Well, don't, don't hear me say that quite like that. If it's, if it's watching Judge Judy, <laughs> you know, or Maury or something, that's maybe not the same category of thing. Do you understand the distinction there? I love Judge Judy. I love her. Um, but that's not the same thing as, as working on my bench for an hour. That's, that truly is time that's, that's probably wasted if I spend an hour watching Judge Judy. Um, but whatever your thing might be, I would like you to give yourself permission to do that and see it as a spiritual and even a holy time. Um, and, and I can go down there and do that stuff, and I, if I leave something unfinished, it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, and if I, you know, if, I, if I don't answer my phone, I can, believe me, the voicemail system is very sophisticated. I can, I can call back later. Um, and so I guess one of the things I would encourage you to, w- w- as far as that goes with free time, is find something like that. You may not be an artist. You may not be an electronics geek. You may not be interested in fiber arts. You may not be a, a Finnish carpenter, but I, I know that each one of you could find something like that. And so you come at it from two angles. One angle is if you already do it, maybe you can infuse some of the uh, holiness into it. So you, you pray while you play. That's the Sabbath idea. Pray and play. And if you don't have something like that, um, I would encourage you to find something. Look for something like that. Uh, this is this is the kind of thing that really does restore your your soul, uh, and that is, it's, I think it's part of how we're made, particularly the creative aspect of it. We could go off on that for a long time, but we are made in the image of a God who created the universe. There is some part of us that is like some part of Him, and I think part of that is our creative impulse um, and your your urge to make something. When you do that, you are acting in the image of God. So. Recreation is recreation. Um, and then the last thing that I would say this morning is I think that the great enemy of our souls in almost everything, but especially probably in this for our purposes today, is a lack of intention. A lack of intention is the great enemy of our soul. Um, so maybe you don't you don't plan to take a day off, and suddenly you've gone 12 days working, and you, you feel awful, and your family is starting to hate you. And really, if you had just planned to take a day off in the middle of that, if you had just planned it, you would have done it. On the other hand, you may not plan what to do on the day off or the days off that you have built into your rhythm. Maybe you're one of those people who has that built in, but you don't plan anything, so you just sleep until you wake up, and then you... I don't know, maybe I'll watch TV for a while. Uh, I guess I'll have a graham cracker with some frosting on it. Um, <laughs> and then you're in a, a carbo coma and you have, fall asleep again, right? And so half of your day off is gone. Okay, I'm being silly, but honestly, if you had just planned to take a drive down to Letchworth Gorge, which is one of the most beautiful places in the country, <laughs> and it's less than an hour's drive away... Um, you might have had a really recreational, restorative, Sabbath-like experience, and uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have known whether the guy was really the father or not because you would have missed Maury Povich. But, um, see, if you don't plan something, though, you're gonna, 
you're going to be watching Mori Povich or playing Call of Duty or answering your work emails or whatever it is, okay? Intention. Lack of intention is the enemy of your soul. You know, because then at the end of the month, you, you, have, you may have accomplished a whole heck of a lot for somebody or for something, but you, you have a long list of regrets, things that you didn't get to do, relationships that you didn't get to build, connection with God that you didn't make an effort to, to have happen to you. And so I, I guess that probably is the closest part that connects with what you were saying, Liz, about what to do with those hours after work. Um, for those of you who have that similar situation where you have hours after work and you don't quite know how to spend them, um, I think there's a great wide swath of freedom in what you could do in that, in that time. I think probably the most dangerous thing you can do is not plan to do anything and just let, let the waves of life carry you wherever they're going to carry you. And pretty soon you're like, oh, crap, it's 1030. I've got to be up at 5. I better go to bed. There's there's four more hours that I didn't know what was going to happen, and so nothing happened. Um, so, lack of intention <laughs> is the great enemy of our soul. This, uh, this whole series, and probably today especially, has been very topical, and um, we have been doing our best to take biblical principles and apply them to a life that is lived in a culture and a place and a time and a language that's totally different from what the, the Bible's is. And I hope that this, this, kind of, this kind of journey has been useful to you. Um, but I also hope that next week when we start looking at texts and digging a little deeper into them, that that, that will be a nice rhythm for you as well. We try to do both things here at Artisan. Um, but this has been a fun series for me. I appreciate your responsiveness to the, the survey and, and the voting for this last topic. Um, Hopefully we hit on some of the things that you had in mind. Um, but uh, let's pray together as we close this, this sermon in this um, series. I want to show you one thing. Um, this is a, an etching by Rembrandt. And uh, you can see Jesus' teaching here. And all the people around him are paying such close attention to him, aren't they? except for this little guy down here at the bottom. <laughs> you see what he's doing? He's playing with a ball of string. And I think there might be a top there. Um, and that's, a, to me, a beautiful picture of what this, uh, what this whole topic is to me. He is at the feet of Jesus, <laughs> hearing the words spoken by the, the Son of God. <laughs> and he is soaking them in while he tinkers with a little toy and plays with some string. Um, may it be so with all of us. <laughs> Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you care for us and love us and offer yourself to us uh, in a, even in a time and a place that's so different from what we may read and see in the Bible. We pray, O oh Lord, that, that uh, we would be able to sit at the feet of of your son Jesus and take in his love and his grace and his wisdom that we would be true worshipers of God in that way. Even in times when we're not uh, being active, times when we are not doing work, God, give us the grace to be able to see you at work 
in our play and in our free time. Call us to your commandments, including the one to stop. And be real to us in those moments of recreation. Restore us in our sleep as you create through the night. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, well, the uh, <clears throat> children will be coming, as, as uh, Jesse mentioned, and they'll be in the foyer there. We're going to take communion together, and if you have kids out there, please go and get them maybe one at a time and bring them in, you know, semi-quietly. It's okay if there's a little bit of noise. We're used to that. Uh, but let's respond to God's Word by continuing to worship Him in song and by coming to the table of the Lord. Receive this bread and these cups, wine and juice, Uh, as food for your souls, remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for you and for all, Uh, and, and in communion with each other, receive his body and blood.